Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of Grit and Glitter, a weekly podcast dedicated to the power of women's wrestling. My name is Harley Arpaja. My name is Amphir. My name is Mayday. It is Saturday, July 30th. You are listening to Grit and... Well, it's not when you're listening to it, but that's when we're recording. And we're here this week, very exciting, to talk about Garden State. Woohoo! Oh, hoo. Okay, let's get into this. All right. So, we open on a young man in an airplane, played by Scrubs celebrity Zach Braff in what? his feature film and directorial debut a movie that he also wrote I believe and based off of his apparently true life experiences anyway so Zach is sitting in I'm not gonna I don't remember his character's name he's sitting in a plane and he's imagining the plane going down turns out he's going back to New Jersey because his mom who he crippled as a young boy uh has actually finally kicked the bucket so he's there and he's like real sad and depressed and he like feels nothing I feel so numb and then he meets Natalie Portman and she's like I'm a compulsive liar actually I have epilepsy actually we don't know what the fuck is wrong with her but apparently she's the answer to all of his problems and Peter Peter Sarsgaard is there, and Peter Sarsgaard is the kind of dirtbag that you have friend that you have like you know tangential relationships with and friendships with. And I actually know a lot of guys who kind of remind me of that character. And he's the one character that I kind of understand in this movie. Anyway, um, what am I missing? Uh, anyway, at some point they kiss on top of a dumpster. Um, there's weird sound effects made by Natalie Portman. Um, it has a good soundtrack. At some point, Zach Braff and his dad have a heart-to-heart, and then they go to an airport, and Zach Braff pretends he's going to get on a plane, and Natalie Portman cries, and then he gets off the plane. The end. I have several questions. I mean, I thought this was a weird topic for a wrestling show, but, I mean, I guess we can make some, like, comparisons, some allusions to, like, you know, Zach's character and, like, I don't know, the struggles of women's wrestling in this country to be able to gain, like, a national audience. And, like, maybe there's a metaphor there where, like, Zach Braff only had, like, one major film that got any kind of major attention. Have you ever seen any of his other movies? They are terrible. This one's terrible, too. I actually hate Garden State. Sorry, everyone out there. I I, I actually like Garden State more than Wish I Was Here and uh, Go In A Style. I've seen all of Zach Braff's films. but um, You're a deep fan of the Zach Braff OVU? I, I am a graphite, it is true. However, um, we're actually talking about a new wrestling promotion this week called Garden State Pro Wrestling. That's that's what we were watching. That's what made it. What did you watch? Uh, I, I have seen the movie Garden State, but I definitely thought we were here to discuss the indie wrestling show. What? What? Ah, oh. oh, shit, guys. Okay, um, I'm back in three hours. Welcome back, folks. You're listening to Written and Glitter, the podcast dedicated to the power of women's wrestling. My name is Harley Arpaget. My name is Amphir. My name is Mayday. It is Sunday, July 31st. As we record this here this week to talk about Garden State Pro Wrestling, a brand new promotion out of New Jersey. Isn't that right, Em? That's right. Real Garden State this time in the Garden State of New Jersey. A great place to have pro wrestling, right, Mayday? Absolutely, because they have no uh, athletic commission of any kind. Woohoo! New Jersey is a lawless place filled with trash and great wrestling. And we love it. But this wasn't Ridgefield Park, like all the other New Jersey shows happened. This was in Newark. That's correct. 
Yeah, I don't know anything about Newark. I don't know anything about New Jersey, really. No idea how far. I have some family out there. Oh yeah, is it a nice place? It is. It gets a bad rap. Parts of Jersey are terrible. Let's let's not dance around that. But overall, it's a very nice state. Should I take my child to the Jersey Shore? Absolutely not. Okay. Which Bon Jovi song is the best? (laughs) I don't know. Okay, you're you're no use to us. I know. What about Bruce Springsteen? That's another Jersey, right? True, Stone Pony. (laughs) You ever been to the Stone Pony? It's awesome. No, never been. Should go. Go right now. All right, we're getting off track again. (laughs) All right, this week we're talking about Garden State Pro Wrestling. Brand new promotion. Literally had their first show in the last two weeks. That's how new they are. They've already got a second and a third show announced with a decent amount of women on the card. Like a lot more than you'd see from some indie promotions. And some surprising gets for a brand new promotion with no track record. And that's the most interesting part about their story, I think. Yeah, I have so many questions right now about some of the promotions out there and the talent that they're bringing in for their shows, whether it's Garden State or Russell Queerdom or just there's a lot of promotions right now who are, are bringing all I can guess is that there are people coming in and they're doing U.S. tours and they're, you know, booked through some booker or some manager who is helping them get dates in various u.s promotions maybe maybe you can shed some light on this like how this process works but it's just it's very intriguing that like these very like upstart promotions are are you know bringing in for these shows like international talent of this caliber uh, i was actually going to ask i'm do we know who owns runs books whatever garden state pro um because like it just based on like you said the talent they're bringing in they've got to they have to know someone like that doesn't just happen. Um, my only other guess is, like you were saying, some type of uh, U.S. tour type thing. And usually when that happens, there is some kind of like, I don't know what else to call them, agent or mm-hmm. something. And that's you could contact them and see you know, what dates are open and see if the talent would be interested in coming in. That said, I mean, money talks. If, if you want to spend a million dollars to book someone for tax return pro wrestling, they'll probably show up, you know? <laughs> hey, Mayday, stop. You're spoiling the, the release of my new promotion. <laughs> Come on. Come on, man. All right. Well, let's dive into what little information I was able to uncover about Garden State Pro Wrestling. And then we'll talk a bit more about that. And then we'll get into their first show. Welcome to Eden. Wait, does Zach Braff own... Pulling a Billy Corgan, deciding to get into pro wrestling. No. Okay. We're through the looking glass. (laughs) But there is very little info available about this Garden State pro wrestling. All I could find was the big bulk was one interview that one of the partners who co-founded and co-owns it did with WrestleZone. They did about a half-hour podcast. That's where most of my information comes from. Oddly enough, interestingly enough, this is not the first Garden State pro wrestling there I'd was, be very surprised if it was. But that name is somewhat unique, I guess, for two people to choose it as an unwieldy name for a pro wrestling company. But there was a, a different Garden State Pro Wrestling that existed from 2009 to 2010. They did at least four shows, according to Cage Match. They didn't book any women. It was 2009. But they did book Darius Carter, Lindsay Dorado, Al Snow, and Jimmy Superfly Snooker. That's right. They booked Jimmy Snooker in the main event in 2009. 
and then they went out of business. Coincidence? Don't ask me. I'll say, you be the judge. <laughs> this Garden State Pro Wrestling has only been around since March. It was late March that they got together and decided to start this. It's based out of Newark, New Jersey. It is co-founded and co-owned by two people, presumably two men. The one person who has gone on record and has had a couple of podcast interviews, at least two so far, is Bryson Yee. He is a college business major and also has a sizable Pokemon streaming following. He's a big Pokemon streamer. So it's him and another man, I want to say, his partner. He mentions in the podcast with WrestleZone that he has another partner that they started this together with. They're both wrestling fans, and this is their first entry into the wrestling business. They have no track record. They didn't go to wrestling school. They're not, they haven't worked as managers. They haven't been part of ring crews at shows. They were literally, like you and I am, just two fans sitting around going, wouldn't it be cool if we had our own promotion? Wouldn't it be fun to run our own show? And... They made it happen. A large part of it was their own personal savings, finances, that sort of thing. They also got sponsorships, as most indie shows do these days. This is starting to sound very familiar. (laughs) Hmm. Who does this remind me of? Now, they are both clearly Japanese wrestling fans, as you can tell just by looking at the card for this first show. They say, Bryson says in his interview that... They are kind of hoping for Garden State to be a bridge between the American indie style and the Japanese puro style. That's the kind of what they're hoping to make their identity, I guess, for Garden State going forward. Based I, I off th- just the one show that they've done so far, I'd say they're off to a great start. Yeah, that that explains a lot about the feel of the show, which um, given the talent that was involved, I, I really liked the mix of matches they had featured here. I thought the use of the time limit on the uh, time limit per matches and, and having it like on the display for the streaming audience was really smart and reminded me of a like more Joshi presentation or more like, you know, you're um, in that style. So yeah, no, I could see that. I think that they, they got up to a good start with, with that mission. And Bryce said in this one interview that they will be working with other promotions going forward also, they won't be one of, he literally says, we won't be one of these promotions that books former WWE and ECW guys just to bring in money or just to bring, just to draw a crowd. Unlike, not I guess, the, the previous person. Garden State Pro Wrestling. And not oh, the, I guess, yeah, it's probably shot at the old Garden State. Not that there's anything really wrong with that. I mean, respect to the local promotions who are doing, who, you know, produce shows every month and have to bring in a local crowd and are trying to do things without having to just, you know, without doing sponsorships, et cetera. I don't know. I get a little defensive for like your classic locals and regional indies that are who do have to do some of that pandering and it's okay. It's crowd pleasing and it does sell tickets. And do also, I want to watch it? No, but <laughs> sorry. Say also, um, especially these days, the term, you know, ex WWE guy uh, doesn't it doesn't mean what it used to. Like everyone's an ex WWE guy. Exactly, um, everyone's an ex WWE guy. And then you turn around and you go make your name somewhere else, and they bring you in. It's it's you know, booked off of that. And then they're like, oh, because they were in NXT for 20 minutes 10 years ago. They're an ex WWE guy. And it's like, no, not they're really not. Nah. But I get it. There's a, a promotion here in Toronto that I. I like, 
but I really would have, would love her if, if their cards going forward looked more like Welcome to Eden instead of what they've been doing lately, which is every single show the main event is Sabu or Rob Van Dam. It's like there's a difference between booking I don't know like a Drew Gulak, you know, somebody who's still like in their prime XWE, and booking Sabu in 2022 and putting him in the main event. The thing it's, to ask there is, does Sabu live near the area? I don't think he's living in Canada. Maybe I mean I maybe he's know. living that, in near the border. That's usually what that means is when it's the same legends from 30 years ago on the same local show over and over. It usually means that they live nearby. You don't know where Sabu lives. He could live anywhere. True. Um, there, there's plenty of promotions in my neck of the woods who do that, and to some degree, they have they do it to varying degrees of success. The the major independent in this region is IWC, who does like who does bring in like out side of the area talent on a regular basis to feature and they have deals with impact workers and et cetera. So they've, they've had a lot of different people through those doors, but most commonly they, a key part of a lot of their shows is like a guy who's like semi-retired, who's doing, you know, a handful of dates here and there who has notoriety from like the late nineties to early two thousands. That's kind of their bread and butter recently, but they do, they get kind of the higher end caliber of that scale too. So I don't know. Again, it does work for to bring in more fans. Uh, anyway, especially the casual fans who are like, oh, I remember watching him on the TV. Right, right. And, you know, it doesn't. It's not always a draw, but sometimes it is. Yeah. Anyway, we're off track, but I just that's I know, the theme of the episode. I know we have some listeners who are listening who like, you know, they might have involvement with those type of promotions. So I just want them to know that I respect the work and it's a carny endeavor at its root no matter who's being booked so make that money well the only other real interesting thing from this interview was by saying that all the championships in garden state pro wrestling going forward will be not non-gendered he says i don't believe i don't believe in intergender wrestling i don't believe in the term intergender wrestling wrestling is wrestling we like men we're gonna have men against men women against women which is obviously great to hear for people like us who are all about that. What's interesting to me is that on this show, we kick off a tournament to crown the first champion, and it's eight men. Yeah, I... That's a good point. Yeah, uh, that that bothered me the whole time, because I understood open weight is a really good way of having a championship and keeping it open to to everybody who's working for your for your promotion, you know, regardless of gender. And I like that mentality. I, that's really encouraging. However, I wouldn't even really know that was the mentality going in this if I was just going off the show itself because I didn't because the open weight championship tournament were all dudes as far as I can tell. So like we had a title match versus um, between Taya and Trish that was a title that doesn't belong to Garden State. And then we had a three-way match, which was great. I'm not arguing with any of the female talent that was used on this card, and there was a predominancy of that and queer talent as well. But like, hey, why are there? Why is there not a single non-cis dude in your your first championship tournament? Yeah, if it weren't for the tag match with Dark Sheik and Jay Vidal versus Heather Monroe and Baliana Key, we wouldn't have known at all that this promotion is like embracing or is on board with mixed gender wrestling because the two other matches were all women matches. We didn't get any other mixed gender work on the card and there were no women in the tournament. So yeah, it is curious. Like why not 
if if only to make the point that hey, all our championships are going to be gender genderless. Why not put Dark Sheik in that tournament, or why not put Trisha Dora in that tournament in lieu of I don't know one of the guys who lost. <laughs> That's curious, but we've already started talking about their first show, Welcome to Eden, so let's just dive into that. Because I couldn't find anything else about Garden State Pro Wrestling. I couldn't find anything else about Bri, about whomever Bri is running Garden State with, any more info about uh, the history of this promotion. They're very new and they're very um, taciturn, I guess. One, one or two podcasts, that's it. Okay, but hey... Let's talk about first impressions um, based on the show itself, because going into this, we're talking about how like there's not any women in the in the open weight championship tournament. Um, there was a fair amount of representation on the roster. But I will say one big encouraging factor right off the bat for me in my wheelhouse and what I'm looking for in a new promotion is commentary was Veda Scott and Alyssa Marino, yes. which I thought was great. And, you know. Veda's been popping up everywhere on commentary. It's not rare to see her in the second seat um, with a dude, but we're still not seeing a ton of like two like non cis male commentation uh, commentary teams. So like that right away told me that Garden State is like is clued into where the where the need is, the representation need is, the desire from audiences and the streaming audiences especially like to to hear more women on commentary. And I thought it was really cool that we're getting two right away. Yeah. When do you ever hear two non-male commentators calling like a match with just men in it? So rare. Because yeah, I, was to, I was just about to say like maybe mission pro, but then he said, yeah, cause that's an all women's promotion. That's true. Mm-hmm. You don't really ever see two non-cis dudes calling. If you get an all female commentary team, it's usually because it's an all female promotion. It's rare that, yeah, so that was a very interesting choice. Yeah, and we're we're talking about like you know two people with with lots of credibility behind their commentary work, like you know obviously got the chops for it, um, but it's just a matter of so often it promoters seem to feel like they need to have like a, a male voice on commentary when it comes to being able to call matches that are not just you know that are not women or you know, that are you know mainly cis dudes. So like. Um, it's encouraging that they kind of bucked against that right off the bat. And I thought Veda and Melissa did great work. They did. They, they did. Both of, well, both of them are great just in general, but they, they have great chemistry with each other and they play off each other very well. And then ring announcing was Jordan Castle. I've, I'd heard the name before. I don't know if I'd ever seen him before. Are either of you more familiar? Uh, I had never seen him, but he, he did great. Like, you know, no notes, but like, yeah, I, I have not heard that name before this show. I mean, had lots of personality without getting in the way of the talent and was a snappy dresser to boot. Hey, no complaints here. He was a very snappy dresser. Very snappy. I love that blazer. In terms of other first impressions, go, no, knowing this is a brand new first show from a brand new promotion from two guys who have never run a wrestling show before, I thought really nice professional graphics, camera work is good. We've got instant replays, which you don't often get on a lot of like live indie shows. Yeah, I was surprised by the live replays that apparently commentary could see because it, you know, they'd say, "Hey, let's take another look at that." And they, you know, call attention to the replay. So like they have little monitors of some kind on their station. Yeah, we will note obviously the audio issues early on in the night. The first two matches, the audio was out of sync. But then eventually they, they uh, 
that back on track. Everything seemed to be good from that point on. Yeah, they like cut the stream, and then when they brought it back, the audio had been fixed. And then beyond that, other presentations. So every match, every wrestler got a full in-ring introduction, which I, I, I get it because it makes, the, it makes each match feel important. It makes each of the wrestlers feel like a big deal. I thought it maybe brought things down a little bit. Like between some of these matches, there was a long. It felt I felt like okay, it's been like seven minutes since the last match, and we're still not having any action because it's a four-way, and each person is getting an a uh, walk down the aisle and an in-ring introduction as well. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I did do a little bit of scanning through some of the entrances just because. You know, they were they were lengthy. Hey, yeah, I get none of us watch this live. We all watch this on replay. They they try they're trying to build hype in the moment. Like that's going to lead to like some lengthier entrances because the, the, everybody's working the crowd really well. It's a it's a space that is conducive to doing that because you can be so like close with the audience. Uh, it just for at home watching because I have other things I need to get to. Uh, I may have had to skim here and there. Having been in that exact position, um, my my guess is they probably figured out that exact same thing, um, and it'll be very interesting to see their next show if they do it again. Yeah, I like it for title matches. I like the you know oh yeah the names being announced when you're in the ring. That makes it feel like this is a big deal kind of match. My guess is they didn't really think through how it would come across when everybody gets a full on main event entrance and how that can kind of drag the show down. Because um, that's not something you even think about until you're on the day. Like, And each match also had, or almost every match, had post-match interviews with the winners as well. Yep. I, I can guarantee you that's a we've-never-run-a-show-before thing. So it be very interesting to see what they do on their second show. Yeah, because at the end, the I want to say on Fight, it clocks in at like 3 hours and 20 minutes or something like that there is about a 20 minute intermission in there which obviously if you watch on replay you can fast forward like we did but that's still a full three hour indie show which i don't know not everybody that's that's too much for me personally i know there are other people who are like i'm sure val pancakes would sit through a five-hour indie show happily i'm sure (laughs) she probably has pancakes has sat through a five-hour indie (laughs) show it's called paradigm yeah, I mean, Val, Val Pancakes absolutely would, but does Val Pancakes want to? I think, I think honestly, most people I know, most wrestling fans I know, especially people who watch a lot of wrestling, do not mind at all if a show clocks in at two and a half hours flat. That is a good time for good timing for a show to get a lot of quality in without feeling like you are, you know, kind of stuck in place for that extra half hour plus. Yeah, nine matches is maybe maybe a bit much as well, especially considering they they were all decent lengths. We didn't have like I'm saying nine. It's not like one of those was a 30 second enhancement match. You know, most of them were like 10 to 15 at least. Yeah, it was. They were not super long matches, but they weren't. None of them were brisk. I mean, I don't feel like anything clocked in under 10, right? Uh, one match did, which we'll get to. Okay. At least one. So the bulk of the show is sort of built around the GSPW Championship Tournament. We got four first-round matches, and then we got five other matches on the card. 
again, just personal preference for me. I don't like when a promotion like starts crowning a champion on the very first show. I'd rather do kind of like what Shimmer and some of these other promotions do. Let us get to know, like, get a sense of what the roster is going to be. Let's let let's see some people pick up some momentum within this promotion first before we start slapping a title on somebody. But I get the I get the desire of like, hey, we started our own promotion. We want we want to have our own belt. We want our own champ. I saw excited Mayday got when he had his first belt. Yeah, although <laughs> we were somewhere in the middle. We did have a tournament and we had a trophy, but we did not have a championship belt or an actual champion. Yeah, right off the We start. didn't get that till the second show. Yeah, I mean, that's similar to how Enjoy did things for a while, too. And, uh, I mean, spoiler alert, well, not really spoiler alert, we will have a champion by the end of the second Garden State show. They've announced that. Yes, it's already on the, the card for next time. It's, it's going to be the like finals. We are a women's wrestling podcast. We'll kind of skim through the men's matches more and talk, talk more in depth about the women's matches. We kick things off with Alan Angels defeating Kevin Blackwood in a first round match. This one, another, I think, maybe tinkering as they go along. The entirety of this match, they had that little lower third graphic that said Angels, Blackwood, and there was a clock counting down the time left in the match. And I, I, in my notes, I called them video game graphics because I felt like I was watching a Street Fighter uh, <laughs> fight with the, with the names and everything. And I want to say they got, like, maybe got instant feedback on the spot because the second match going forward didn't have that. Or they sh- it showed up here and there at times, but it wasn't on the screen for the entire match like it was for this one. Beyond that, um, yeah, Alan Angels picking up some nice momentum coming out of Dark Order and AEW and picks up the win here to advance to the next round uh regarding the the graphics thing sort of um i wasn't super paying attention i'm trying to remember uh, obviously they have the, the clock counting down did they make um announcements over like the pa of like you know five minutes remaining or whatever no because that's a very <laughs> japanese joshi you know thing to do i only know this to mix it. because one of the comments on the cage match page was from somebody who was there in the arena. And they said that the only match that even got a time limit announced was the main event, which then went to a time limit draw. And they felt like that was like for like, like that made it too obvious. Yeah. Like they should have announced time limits for every match and every match had a time limit. Like for us at home, we see a clock on the screen and Veda and Alyssa are talking about this, but in the arena, apparently no announcements. Mm. Yeah. I can see how mm. that would absolutely read as foreshadowing. Like if they didn't, announce it for anyone else but yeah i mean we all knew there was time limits because we saw the little pictures and they, they said they're talking about it on commentary but oh okay our second match on the card was mixed mixed gender but not mixed take people everybody was allowed to wrestle everybody it was supposed to be edith surreal on this one edie had to pull out due to covid instead we got dark cheek and jay vidal teaming against heather monroe and balian aki Aki is from... from Taco Pro. Pro, right? Taco Pro. Yeah. Right. I so, love Balkan. So one of, the many, one of the handful of names on this card where you're like, wow, I can't believe this promotion that has never run a show before was able to get this person to come over. <laughs> well, I think Balian's doing some dates in the U.S. I do think it's one of those things where like he's here doing some dates and he got booked for this along with a bunch of a couple other promotions as well. So like, um, I, I do think the same thing with like, you know, Jekyll Kiona's coming in a couple months and she's doing 
she's doing several dates in various different indies. I think it's just one of those things. Also, also Yamashita, like she's obviously doing the same thing. Um, but I was really excited to see him on this card. Uh, Balian Aki does a lot of work with Chakra Pro. He is um, big in tag wrestling. He His tag team, Best Bros with Mesa Ruka, is actually one of my favorite tag teams right now. Um, and he's got a lot of flexibility and versatility as a wrestler. So um, very easily goes between um, heel and face. And I actually loved him teaming with Heather Monroe in this. So I was sad not to see either Surreal in this match, but I really ended up enjoying the like the combination of these four wrestlers and these specifically in these tag teams. Um, no, I would definitely agree. Like this was a great introduction to their like tag system. And like you were saying, that's everybody versus everybody. And both teams had really great chemistry with each other and with the other team. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would have liked to have seen Edie, but you know, the real world happens. So Heather Monroe picks up the win on Jay Vidal this is another one of these you're like, okay, I guess it's just a, just a fun match. I, I, odds are we won't see either of these teams teaming together again in Garden State where they're not heading towards like a take title reign or anything. This is just kind of like a one and done, just fun thing. Kind of a shame. Can I ask you guys a question? Mm-hmm. Why isn't Heather Monroe more famous? I don't know. Why isn't Heather Monroe like everywhere? Like, I know she is kind of everywhere. Like, she She does a ton of different indies, but like... How has she not gotten signed? She's got everything. The only thing I can think of is maybe she doesn't want to be. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe. that happens. You get the, you know, why isn't Effie signed? Effie doesn't want to be signed. Yeah. Um, that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, I just, every time I see Heather Monroe, every time I see her, I think, man, it is insane to me that, like, more people don't actively follow this wrestler. But, you know, she's well known amongst the indies. She's been doing this for a while. Like, I guess there's no, there, there's no shame in, you know, just having a really good independent wrestling career. You're absolutely right, Mayday. It could be a total total choice, but I just, I don't know. I just, I feel like she, like, with if she did want to get signed and she was signed, she'd be an immediate push. Absolutely. She's got, she's got everything that you associate with, like, a top-tier, like, women's wrestler. Like, she's got the talent. She's got the look. She is excellent in both roles as face and heel, especially as a heel. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, she was doing... Um championship wrestling from hollywood there for a good long stretch um i mean i don't think that counts as signed but like she was a regular there for a very long time um and then that kind of implode but like they went on hiatus and they came back in like three or four different territories i'm not really sure um but she popped up in memphis but still under the championship wrestling banner um but yeah that's like the only thing i can think of in terms of signed she should be at impact knockout is what i'm saying yeah, she should be an impact knockout. I'm just saying. I'm saying that too. I mean, I, I, I'm just gonna go on record. I know we're talking about Garden State, but brief impact corner here. I've held to my word, and I've been watching like three straight weeks of Impact Television. Nice. And it just continues to affirm that it is the best women's division amongst the major wrestling companies. Like full stop. No, no question. Um, and every talent I see on the indies now, I'm thinking. They would work really well as a knockout. Well, Heather getting the win, the pinfall here, out of the four of them, was surprising to me, maybe. I thought maybe, if anything, she might be the one to take the pin. I mean, we got Balian, who's like a guest star from another country. We got Sheik, whose star is really on the rise lately. And Jay Vidal, like, just did a couple of appearances with Impact. Yeah. 
My my only guess is maybe they gave the win to somebody who might be around more. Yeah, I was about to say, if this had been in California, I think Sheik would have got the win. But yeah, so maybe we'll see Heather on the... She hasn't been announced for either the next two Garden State shows, but uh, maybe that's a hint that we'll see her again. I sure hope so. I just I find her delightful in every regard. I I think that she is just a like top-tier independent worker and really really so like fundamentally sound in the ring. It's always really fun to see her tag up in team. And I thought her chemistry with Balian was great. Uh, just, yeah, all around. This was a super fun tag match. I think this would have, I have another like favorite favorite of the night, but um, this was absolutely a great like second match to get like, to get like really sunk into the show. Our third match on the card is another first round championship tournament match. It was Titus Alexander Taking on Calvin Tankman. Love Tankman. Oh, Tankman's so great. Yeah, Alexander picks up the win with a hook of the tights to advance in the tournament. Yeah. Evil heel. <laughs> then uh, we go to a trios tag. It is Team H2O taking on Young, Dumb, and Broke. This is the first match that I fast-forwarded through. No offense. But uh, it was like a trios tag between like six people I'm not familiar with. Um, I wondered, and this one felt a little weird. I, you tell me, did this feel like out of place on the card compared next to Davy Richards and Ty Valkyrie and Josh Alexander? It definitely felt the most Garden State y in mm-hmm. terms of like these are all very local Jersey talents. Um, Young, Dumb, and Broke is, like, the best team stable name ever. Um, but, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Like, this is this one felt the most indie. How's that? Yes. This one felt like giving the guys who are going to – who are in the local and regional area, giving them a showcase match. Yeah. Doing a trade because maybe, like, H2O lent them their ring. Something like that. Did they lend them their ring, or are you just guessing? That's just my guess. But yeah, they, made, they made a point of being like, here's three students representing H2O wrestling. Yeah. You know? And I'm, thinking, I'm thinking this show is run by people who have never run a wrestling show before. Where'd they get all this gear? That might be it, that they're helping backstage and stuff, like production and all that. Um, and that, and in return, give them a showcase match. I could definitely see that happening. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah, the problem with a show like this is that when you're booking it with so much imported talent and then you do a match like this, this six man match, you end up, it ends up feeling like the odd duck. It ends up feeling like the match that people are going to skip. And that's unfortunate. Like, I did like this match. I thought the, I both, thought both teams brought a lot of great energy into it. They clearly were known by the crowd, at least a sizable portion of it. So like, there was a lot of, like audience like engagement in this match um a lot of great wrestlers were featured in this match it just because your focus is pulled to the like the bigger names on the card this is going to end up feeling like a an afterthought and i that's kind of the the flip side of bringing in so much talent i wonder if this wouldn't have worked better as either the opener or like a pre-show match yeah, yeah, I actually would have put this on the open. I would have kicked. Off I, I don't. Did they have a pre-show? I don't think they did. No, but I would have. So then, I would yeah, have, like, you would use that as the opener. Yeah, I would have made this the opener. Then our last match before intermission was Ty Valkyrie versus Trisha Dora 
for the AAA Reina de Reinas Championship. That was a late addition. The match had been announced, but it was like the week of or a couple of days before that they announced the AAA title would be on the line. They probably didn't get permission to say that until a week before. Um, booking an outside title defense is it's a whole process. Especially mm-hmm. from like Mexico. That, like, yeah, even more so. Another from another con- country. Yeah. Yeah, and CMLL is kind of notoriously prickly. Yeah, everybody has to sign off in terms of the match, the opponent. Like, they don't want you defending your title against, you know, a random enhancement talent. It has to be prestigious. It's a, it's a whole thing to book an outside title defense. So I, I can almost guarantee, like, they were pushing for it the whole time, but then didn't get permission to actually do it until, you know, 30 seconds before they announced that it was going to happen, the, the title part. Yeah. Now, put, putting the title on the line, did that foreshadow too much that Tyra was retaining? Yes. I would say so, absolutely. Or if the title hadn't been on the line, would you have thought maybe Trish takes it? If the title or, had not been on the line... Either way, Ty is winning because she's just on such a steamroll right now. I would still... Yeah, if the title had not been on the line, I still would have said Taya was going to win... Um, but it would not have been an absolutely foreshadowed 100% certainty, especially since, like you're saying, she's the big name. Trish is kind of the local person who's got a huge following in general. Um, I could see them using that to build up Trish. You know, she beat Taya Valkyrie and she'll be back next show, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, but as soon as you put the title on the line, you're like, well, all right, that happened. Like that's. Yeah. It, it, they, it, it, they notably did not mention Trish's uh, Pan-African World Diaspora champion because you don't want to have your champion losing, so you just don't mention it at all. Yeah. yeah, that was the only thing that hurt this match to me is that, like, it was a foregone conclusion that, that Taya was going to retain. Yeah. I thought an easy fix around that would have been if, if you want to highlight the championship and don't want to put it on the line in a way that's going to make your audience immediately assume that it's not going to change hands, then just make this a contender match like this is trisha dora's attack like like if she wins this match she gets a shot at the championship and then have her lose and then it's like it's still a surprise i could see that but what roh called a proving ground match yes i could see that but i if if it was me i would just not put the title on the line at all that (laughs) makes it more uncertain in my mind but you also get like this new promotion being excited about being able to boast, we have the AAA Reina de Reina's title defended on our first show. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that sounds cool. Too. Yeah, good match between these two. We'll be interesting to see if either of them return on future Garden State shows. That's the other thing. Like a lot of indie shows, so they've already announced that they've got a second uh, show happening in August. they got a third show happening in September. Outside of the tournament, there wasn't really anything in terms of like stories set up for the second show. We didn't get any real, like, anybody calling anybody out or any bad blood set up between anybody else. It's not even clear. A lot of these people outside of the tournament haven't been announced for the second show. So I, I, as far as I know, we aren't going to see Ty Valkyrie or Heather Monroe or Dark Sheik or Trisha Dore on the next show. Yeah. Have, have they announced the cards for the next show or just names? They've announced five or six matches already, huh. and, none, yeah, of, and none of those aforementioned winners are included in that batch. Um, just a brief side note. Uh, I think Taya Valkyrie deserves more respect than she's generally like given in the like 
front of conversation. I just, every, every match I've seen of hers recently and has just given me some kind of like, I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about Taya Valkyrie and how when we talk about top tier women's talent, I feel like she doesn't get, she gets, she gets some credit, but like credit, but like, I don't feel like she gets the, the amount of credit she actually deserves. Like Taya's a star. She really is. She is. She's got off the charts charisma. I was just thinking about how back to like when I saw her for, like in in person, when I saw her live for the first time and thinking like, my God, she just is like radiating. Look at me energy. Just like like completely. You do not want to turn away from her. And that's in addition to her talents in the ring and her ability to like do any number of things that are asked of her to do performance wise. I just think she's so she's so fantastic. I, I don't know. Like when we talk about like top women's talent out there right now, signed by companies, not signed by major companies, whatever. Tyra Valkyrie needs to be in that conversation always. I just don't think she gets the respect that she deserves, especially post WWE. Like I really, I think that little, that brief stint in NXT and like the branding that went on there, like I think it just, it worked so much against her reputation in a way that I don't think is fair. I was about to say, I think, that stint in NXT like hurt her star more than it did anything to help her. I really do. I really do more than other people. I think other people came out of NXT and like they were immediately given the grace. And I don't feel like the same as exact has been bestowed with her. Um, I know that has nothing to do with this because she was treated very well here. I will say I enjoyed the fact that um, this got video, pa- like I got a video promo package leading into the match. And it's something that gets, sporadically repeated throughout this show is that we get video packages. Not every match gets them. And I liked that, like this dedicated women's match had it. It definitely sells the big fight feel. Yes. But you want, you know, yeah, absolutely. It's a title match. Of course you want that. (laughs) The next 12 months for Tyre are definitely going to be interesting because she herself has said that coming out of NXT, she had, she felt defeated. She felt like, am I done with wrestling? Do I want to do this anymore? Like she, she felt like kind of broken, like emotionally. And I actually, I don't, I don't think she was treated that badly in NXT as someone who was watching weekly at the time. She was, she did come across as a bigger star than a lot of the women in NXT. She got a lot of big video packages. They were just starting to kind of do something significant with her, like something more than just, enhancement victories and like really figuring out like who she was when she got released out of nowhere and she's yeah she said in interviews that after that getting released just really like threw her for a loop which Alyssa Marino said to me last week on the show same thing when NXT released her out of the nowhere it was like now what do I do sort of thing that's an almost like depressingly common statement you hear from people who who get released on like those budget cut things is like I don't even know if I want to stay in wrestling anymore like at all like it's, mm-hmm. uh, they have to find their smile again so to speak and it's just it it's amazing how consistently they come out of there just defeated yeah also just the idea that like I made it to the biggest platform there is and it didn't work out so now what like where do I go from here there's nowhere I can't go up there's no there's no further up so what do I do how do I make this feel important well, yeah, I mean, imagine someone in Taya's position. Imagine somebody who's, like, held championships for major companies, has has worked internationally, has, like, done everything but been in the big promotion. She gets signed, and, you know, 
does as well as she possibly can in that, but then gets released before it really comes to culmination. And it's like, well, yeah, everything else is going to feel like a step down unless you can kind of recalibrate what, what a, you know, success and what your version of success is going to look like post that. I think so many wrestlers assume the WWE, they're just working on the notion that WWE is the big success point. And for those who hit it and then have to then leave, then have to leave, where do you go from there? It's like your map has to get completely redrawn. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a really good point in terms of like what now, but uh, I I don't know. I think, she has been on an absolute tear like mm-hmm. in the last couple of months. And you're right. Like the next 12 months is going to be very interesting with Taya. Yeah. I just, I, I want more people to remember Taya Valkyrie as like a like current and top tier level working wrestler because she is, and she's great in tag. She's great in singles wrestling. She has a, like a dynamite and um, dynamite and very charismatic personality that comes through no matter no matter face or or heel i just i love watching her and i again this is all the impact effect mayday this is your fault you're welcome <laughs> um we just spent like 20 minutes singing Tyus praises can we give trish her flowers too like she is an amazing talent <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's all right um yeah like that's another one who uh, i was about to say she she should be signed she was signed there to ring of honor there for a hot minute but like She's she's going places and you can just tell she also has that vibe about her um, and the crowd definitely knew and loved her. I was not I, I was expecting dueling chants. I was not expecting equally dueling chants. And at some points, the Trish chants were louder than the Taya chants. So, like, oh. it was it was like they know her. They love her. Oh, for sure. Um, Trish Trish was getting the bulk of the crowd support early on. Yeah. Which, which was surprising. Which was a little surprising. Yeah. But, you know, you really can't deny Trishadora. I took a friend to enjoy wrestling, and Trishadora was on the card. And, uh, like, right away, I could tell my friend, like, just, like, completely absorbing that that energy that Trish gives off. Yeah. Like, she is – she she immediately ingratiates you, whether you've seen her or not. Like, she's someone you immediately want to tune into. This this match was like a charisma factory because you have both of these women who just radiate personality and also talent. So, yeah, no wonder they were dueling chance. I, I wouldn't yeah. know who to root for. Me either. You know what? Trisha Dora would make a great impact knockout. <laughs> <laughs> We'll just replace all the men on the Impact roster with more women. Oh, can we? I mean, there's there's good. I'm, I'm totally serious, but still, but not not serious. Anyway, <laughs> next match. <laughs> Following Trish and Ty, we went to intermission. Out of intermission, it was Brian Keith defeating Effie to advance in the championship tournament. Effie is, like I said, another one that like is it first time promotion, no track record, no nothing, and they're getting these names. That's that. That's kind of a track record in and of itself, like you were able to bring in these names with no prior work. And have the big, the biggest names lose in the opening round of the tournament as well. Because, yeah, we had Effie take the loss here. And immediately following that, it was Davey Richards losing to Robert Martyr in the championship tournament. That one felt more like a... I don't want to say a passing of the torch, but like that one definitely felt like a star making performance for Robert yes, that, Martyr. That's a much better 
Yeah, David Richards hasn't passed off the torch, but he, he lit a new one. That That's a much better way, is a, a star-making performance. Like, Robert Martyr has arrived. Oh, he's great. And if you were going to, like, you know, pick a, a, a guy, if you were if you were going to, you know, start harvesting your regular roster talent and you wanted your, like, key face, he's a good, he's a good choice. He really is. Then we get Miyu Yamashita versus Billy Starks versus Janai Kai in the shortest match of the night at 6 minutes and 53 seconds. Yes. I was so surprised that it ended so quickly. I was so disappointed. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that too. Yeah, so it was almost half the length of almost every other match. The bulk of the matches on the card were at least 13, 14 minutes. This one went seven. Did they have some kind of hard out on the pay-per-view that they had to reserve mm. X amount of time for the main event? And so they Maybe. just... And they knew the main event was going to a 20-minute time of a draw. Yeah. So, so the penultimate the, match gets the axe. That's the only thing I could think of is, like, they knew. But that's not really a thing these days, especially on, like, fight, when you can just – it's an eye pay-per-view. It runs until it's over. But I, I don't know. If they had a hard out, then that's my guess. Mayday, you're a promoter, so you can pull back the curtain even more for people like Emily and I. You're booking a show – you're booking a match like this, a three-way match. You go to the women and you say, you guys are going 17 minutes. And they say, okay, you're the boss, that's what you say. Or they say, mm, actually, can we do more like 12? That's what, like, what we're thinking. How do you decide the length? Who decides and how do you come up with the length of the match? It, it's ultimately your call. Obviously, like you said, you're the boss. Um, if they do want to do like a shorter match, um, hear them out find out why um and try to figure out if it's just like hey we we want to do less work if you know um but if it's if there's a storyline kayfabe reason or at least like a protected reason as to why this match should end up being shorter uh, then then if it makes sense then go for it um but like i said my guess is is that they ran into some kind of time overall time limit and they had to cut this one short yeah that's all that's that's my assumption that's the only thing I can guess because it also was... ended really suddenly. Yeah, it really did. There was no like big like this is it finishing move. It's over. It just sort of stopped. Yeah, me me catches Billy with a kick and then that's it. And that was yeah. it. Yeah. And I mean that kick is fierce and it is the type of finisher that um will like end a match in an abrupt fashion, but there's usually a bigger build to it. Yeah, like maybe she um, misses the kick two or three times during the match and finally connects and now it's over. Yeah, I don't. I really enjoyed this match. I wish it was twice its length. Uh, yeah, I was so surprised when it just ended. I was like, "Oh, that was it!" Like, what the hell? The only, the only other thing is, did someone get hurt? I couldn't tell. I didn't. I don't think so. But I just thought that just now, like as we're talking, was it like a rushed finish because someone's hurt and we got to go home? But it, it definitely didn't read like that. No, and it's and a three-way. So if one person did get, like, you know, knocked a little loopy, they could maybe take a powder and the other two could keep going. Yeah, which that also didn't happen. Like, there was none, there was none of the telltale, like, something's wrong and we're calling it on the fly. Like, it just sort of ended. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's a, it, it's unfortunate. I know timing happens and, you know, it, it was fun while it lasted. It's just, you've got talent obviously Billy's there, obviously Janai's there. These are talent that 
potentially could come back, but you know, Emma should have like she's not gonna be there all the time and available all the time. This was really a a good opportunity to get as much as you could from you know bringing in someone some top tier international talent and uh, yeah, five nights before she challenges for the AEW Women's Championship. Yeah, yeah on which, live television. Yeah, a match oh. that was also shorter than it should have been. I wonder if that's uh oh. But is it, this was before. Just wanted to make sure, yeah, five minute, five days before Dynamite. I wonder, yeah, I wonder if that wanted was to protect part her and make of it sure too. It's like happens. we need to we need to kind of protect her and make sure she doesn't snap her leg in half or whatever. So let's just do this one quick. I mean that that's a possibility, absolutely. Tony and Khan she, had Dustin Rhodes backstage being like, A, nothing better happen to me you. B, why is Robert Murder using my theme music? <laughs> oh my god i think that every time that he comes out <laughs> every time he comes out i'm like wait green dick no but but, but yes. even then even then the more i'm thinking about it the more that doesn't make sense either because yeah. even with that restriction of like we need to protect me you we need to make sure like nothing happens to her you can still work around that maybe she's the one that gets kayfabe knocked luke and takes a powder and we have an extended sequence of billy and Janai. Like you can you can work around limits like that. This this definitely felt like a time thing. Yeah, yeah. The, and, and, you know, we're talking a lot about the the time issue, and I I don't want to completely discount the match here. The match is oh no, that's true. The match itself was great. <laughs> match itself is fun, and you know what? Honestly, after a card of matches that did go, you know, not to time limit, but you know, beyond twelve, thirteen, fourteen minutes, like it was nice to have more of a sprint it was a good like palate cleanser before the main event but like yeah you know me i'm just i i want more i'm gonna bitch regardless because i want want more women i want more time with the women i will also say on paper when i saw it it's obviously you got miu and then obviously you have jenai i'm like they're gonna kick the shit out of each other literally like they're going to kick the the shit out of each other billy seemed like she would be out of place a little bit but she absolutely held her own in every aspect, including the kicks. Like, she was throwing some fucking haymaker kicks of her own, some roundhouses and shit like that. So I was very happy to be, like, proven wrong on that. Billy absolutely was in in the strike conversation with the other two. I'm so glad you said that, Mady, because I was kind of wondering where Billy was going to fit in in this, too. And what I think that she offered in this match was kind of that, like, chaotic element. Because this could have been much more of, like, your MMA influence, like, kick strike type of match mm-hmm. and Billy gave it a little bit of a an edge that it might not have had otherwise. So I thought she was actually really crucial to how well this match worked. Yeah. It it's helps sell the what they were saying. Like it's the mixture of of Joshi and, and Western style and Billy was kind of the bridge. Then our main event was Josh Alexander versus No that was the main event. Was it? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Was Josh Alexander versus Takeshita. 20-minute time limit draw. People online were raving about this one. I'll admit I haven't watched it yet. Um, We're at the three-hour mark on the show by this point, and three hours, I'm just too old to be watching three hours of wrestling. (laughs) After like an hour and a half, I'm like, okay, I want to watch like a sitcom now. (laughs) I mean, a match like this, you can assume is going to be really good, so like, it, it will be every bit as good as you assume it's going to be. I imagine it played out a lot better live 
Because when you're watching it on replay, you know they go to a draw. You can see the little progress bar, and you know that it's going to end X amount of time. Or you can just see the spoilers and know that it went to a draw. And you go into that just, oh, they're going to do some cool stuff for 20 minutes, and that's going to be it. Whereas live, you know, you're much more invested in the moment. Anything could be the finish. Here we go. And then the fact that it is a draw is the payoff. It, it reads completely differently watching live vice a replay. Yeah, time limit draws are always more fun in person. Yeah. They really are like it, it, it can hit pretty good it, when you're watching on streaming. Absolutely. When, even if you're especially if you're watching it live streaming, but like in person live, there's something about like being held in suspense like that and like it catching you off guard that just you can't mimic from an at home experience. Yeah. And Josh's Impact World Championship was not on the line. So. So it, was, it wasn't a foregone conclusion. Yeah. I mean, you had Impact Guy versus AEW Guy. So. It wasn't clear who was going to win with this one. After the match, Josh cut a promo, said definitely wants to do it again somewhere, sometime for something. So maybe we see it in an impact ring in the future. Maybe. That'd be great. So that was Welcome to Eden. As far as first first shows from a new promotion, but especially first shows from two guys who have never run a wrestling show before, pretty impressive. It was very impressive. Um, I'm amazed that they chose to run it live um that uh, that's one more headache that i would never want to deal with especially mm-hmm. on your first show um and you know go figure there were some technical hiccups but they got them under control pretty quickly so that's always good they had a solid production team back there doing their thing yeah i i would if you just gave this show to me and i and there was no indicator that this was the first show which, you know, it certainly was on commentary, but like, say you took that out, that, those yeah. cues out. Um, I wouldn't have known. Yeah, no, it, it definitely felt like a, a well-polished, like a, a well-produced indie show. Like, yeah, there was, aside from them, on, like I said, on commentary, hammering home that it is their first show. Like, if they didn't do that, you'd never know. Yeah. That's a really, I mean, that's a really good place to be in yeah. for them because how many shows do we watch that are either the first show or not even the first show of an indie? And it's like, okay, they definitely need to improve some production values here for it to to get better, or get a wider audience. This one, I honestly, if they keep running consistently and if they can like start like booking people consistently for returns and building stories, they'll have no issue getting a following. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. Yeah, I'd be very interested to see their their second show and what the turnout is because, you know, first debut show with all these names, like, you have the benefit of the doubt and a lot of people are going to show up. Now that they know what to expect, we'll see if those people come back. I hope they do, obviously. Well, the second show, Thy Kingdom Come, will be streaming live on August 27th. We've got Titus Alexander versus Brian Keith in the semifinals of the tournament. And Robert Martyr versus Alan Angels in the semifinals of the tournament. Also, uh, maybe I was wrong about Robert Martyr wrestling twice. I don't know. Also on the card, though, Bussy versus the Workhorsemen versus Trey Lamar and Marcus Mathers in a three-way tag match. Yoya versus Starboy Charlie. Sunny Kiss versus Kid Bandit. And Lufisto versus Willow Nightingale. Oh, wow. That's going to be good. Oh, boy. So, as you can see, like, not a lot of returning players from the first show, but still, like, Lufisto and Willow, Sunny Kiss and Kid Bandit, like, uh, some interesting matches here, for sure. 
the people behind booking this have a are, are definitely keyed into a like specific subset of wrestling fans right now and they're like placating them really well and that's not that's not a knock that's actually i think that's a, a smart way to do this what they need though what they're going to need to succeed on the long run is to build their local audience and keep those seats filled so i'm going to be interested to see how they do that yeah no international talent announced for the second show yet but september 16th their third show is entitled dynasty clash Bryee said in that interview with WrestleZone that it will be their biggest event yet and the biggest event of the fall from any promotion. Already announced, Jungle Kiona and Ven. They have some kind of in with Joshi. Yes. Some... You don't just book Jungle Kiona. I mean, some of these promotions are doing it and I don't know how. <laughs> I, I All I can imagine is that there's an agent working, some kind of manager, agent, booker working who is doing a service to these promotions by getting them the in with this talent that's coming in. I don't know. I don't know how it works, but good on them for getting those connections. Yeah. So when do we see Jungle Kiona in Combat Fights Unlimited? As soon as someone gives me the, that agent's number. All right. You listening to Garden State Wrestling? Contact our friend Mayday. Share the wealth here. Yeah. So if we bring in Joshi people, man, I'm... Dead. That's a whole forbidden door that would never close again. Hey, you just got a raise at your shoot job. You can afford it. <laughs> Not that big a raise. Not flights from Japan raise. That's our show, folks. Thanks for sticking with us. As always, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Patreon at Grit Glitter Pod. If you support us on Patreon, we take your money. We give it to other promotions. Like Enjoy Wrestling, the Enjoy Cup, premiering very soon. We've sponsored a match some people on that show if they keep delivering cards like this we might have to sponsor a garden state show down the line yeah absolutely um we also are going to be up uh sponsoring the upcoming wrestlers lab show uh, scientific tendencies uh which is happening just in about two weeks here in pittsburgh pa which i'm really excited um so yeah so follow our patreon Check it out. Consider subscribing. You get a weekly newsletter. You get bonus pods. You get all kinds of little perks here and there. And you help us put money directly back into the wrestling ecosystem. So, like, hopefully down the line, we can help other promotions like Garden State Wrestling continue to produce the wrestling that you love. Maybe when is the next uh, CFU show? The next live show taping, September 10th. (gasps) As for when it... uh, premieres on IWTV, uh, stay tuned. In New Jersey? <laughs> yep, stay, uh, in IW, or in uh, H2O venue, same place as always. There you go. So if you are a Garden State fan listening to the show, there you go. More, more great wrestling in your neck of the woods. Tickets on sale now. That's right. Got friends. Don't miss out. This Saturday, speaking of first-time shows, it is Wrestle Queerdom. Very stacked card. You got Candy Lee versus Giselle Shaw for the Paris is Bumping Grand Prize Championship, with the winner going on to defend against Sunny Kiss later on in the night. You got Maxine Paler versus Coda Holiday, Eden Von England versus Shay McCoy, and in the main event, Edie Surreal taking on Venny, Oscar herself. That's gonna be nuts. It it's what how is this card? <laughs> What is this card? How is this card? Give me a week and I'll try to explain next week here on the show.